back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. So, we do a show on Brighteon TV every week. And most of you are watching this back then. But we're pre-recording it now. And I Hello, Brighteon. I don't mind telling you guys that. So, we are so happy to be a part of the Brighteon TV network family. Yes. We love them. We love everything that they're doing. And so it's one of the privileges that we have every week to either send them something to play on Sunday or to do a show. This one is specifically done for them, but you guys get the sneak peek behind the scenes. We figure if we're going to record it, why not do it live? So here you are. This specific show. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I am. I, I don't think excited is definitely not the word. No. Nope. Definitely not the word for this. However, I will say this is such an important topic because when you're doing spiritual warfare, if you try to battle people, you will lose every time. Every time. But if it's just the devil, you can win. Every then time. you can fight it. And you my win. entire life, I, people have said, well, you know, we don't really have idol worship anymore. People think like it's just if you're going to worship, you're, if you're going to worship idols, people say, well, maybe it's movie stars. Maybe your espresso from Starbucks is your idol. You know, maybe your car is, maybe your spouse is. I don't know. And people, but um, people have gone away from the fact that there are literal demonic forces age old. Mm-hmm. That have infiltrated movements that we're going to get into today that are the same exact demonic forces behind goddesses like Ishtar, who, if you saw the thumbnail today, was the goddess of love, sex, and war. And when we get into the nitty gritty details of this, which we did a little bit the other day, and you're like, I got to do a whole show on this, your mind going to be blown. Get ready. Just p- go put a hat on. Because after today, your brain might. You just keep it contained. Right, Leah? Yeah, so the Bible talks about different gods yeah. that the um, other cultures around them would worship. We know a little bit about Melech, and we know that um, the Israelites were also worshiping Melech because they were putting their children through, through the, the fire. fire. The Bible talks about Baal worship. Um, Ooh, pause on the Malek one because most, I have heard a lot of Christians say this. They get the correlation between Malek and abortion. Yeah, I think they that's get the one that. people but, Okay, really all right, get. we got that one. Good. We're about to give you some more. Keep going. Yeah. So there are three main, like, gods, the trinity of gods. Baal, Baal's wife, Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, sex, and war, and then Malek. What does the Bible say about each one of these gods? And Jonathan Kahn has written a new book, and he pulls together a lot of what we're seeing today with the resurgence of these gods. And the way he puts it is, when the gospel spread west, it, we had a worldwide mass exorcism. And those gods were wandering the, then these evil spirits were wandering in deserted places where they were gone. They weren't able to inhabit people. Well, when you start to begin to work in, in, in witchcraft, and I think when you're doing things that God hates, like counterfeiting money, when you're beginning to work with things like electricity, when you're working with pharmacia, mm, that's you know, um, all know these one. different things, you're opening up these doors, and it's like in a movie, 
where you can see these ancient like Egyptian goddesses, these are like ba ancient Babylonian and spirits uh, coming to the surface. And so we're going to talk about what the Bible says about them. And we're going to um, do this a, a little bit on Facebook. And then we're going to apply them to what we're seeing today. And you'll have to follow us to rumble. Now, if you're watching our Bright Town, you get it completely uncensored. uncensored. Why, Leah? Because we can say. Thank you, Mike Adams. Thank you, Mike Adams, because you can say what you want to say on brighteon.tv. Yes, exactly. Um, it's the book of Leviticus actually gets a bad rap because it contains a lot of rules and instructions. Mm -hmm. But it actually contains some stern warnings on idol worship. Ooh. You know, Paul talks about do not eat foods sacrificed to idols. Right. Well, I am going to show you what that means today. We're going to talk about what that would mean for you today because there is idol worshiping happening right now and you are actually taking part in it. Dear God. And you don't know it. But here's the good news. If you, if you Here's the deal. If you want to just keep, like if you don't know, then you're okay. Once you know, then you're not okay. Yeah, you turn us it. off if you don't want to fix it. Just kidding. <laughs> Names from ancient times have often several variations, largely because different cultures had different spellings. Therefore, Malek is sometimes called, uh, spelled M-O-L-O-C-H or M-O-L-E-K. He is also sometimes known as Baal. Okay, so there might be uh, an overlap of these gods. Although Baal could have been a reference to any false god. Some trace the origin of this idol to the Phoenicians, who had a god they referred to as Milk. Um, the Hebrew people would add the eth to the name to indicate shame, such as Astareth or Molech. Melech in Hebrew is the word for king, so you would see some references to the king of shame mm. when referring to Melech. Melech was the reigning god of many tribes surrounding the Israelites in ancient times. In the, the Bible, Melech is associated with the Canaanites. Melech was depicted as a body, human body with a bull's head. His statue was usually made of bronze with arms outstretched and a belly that opened to serve as a furnace. A particularly disturbing practice of Malek was the worship uh, was infant or child sacrifice. Families allowed children to, quote, pass through the fire or be burned alive to mm. Malek to secure favor and prosperity. Leviticus 18.21 reads, and you can read that, Michelle. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Malek and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Yeah, so... Where else does the uh, Bible mention Malek? We're going to go to Leviticus 21 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, whoever the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell in Israel, uh, uh, whoever of you gives any of his descendants to Malek, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Malek to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man who he gives some of his descendants to Malek and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Malek. So essentially what that's saying is y'all got to punish this person. And if y'all see this person doing this and you don't punish them, then you're going to get the same punishment as him. Yeah. Second Chronicles 33, six describes what the worship of Malek ushered in. And he burned his sons as an offering in the Valley of the son of Hinnom. And he used fortune telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with the mediums with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to anger him. 
That was when King Manasseh reigned in Judah, he built altars to the Baals of Atheroth. Uh, you can scroll down. And uh, there were sometimes such power behind, uh, there was power behind the idols. Some have theorized that demons were enforced. Now, we're going to talk about the demons that are enforced. Let's talk about them. Malef, it, Malek is a tough subject to, um, to, 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 to kind of cover, and we're going to cover that. If you would go over and play this child sacrifice in the age of Abraham video. Do I have that one up? Uh, you should. But you don't. So you got to bring I'll them up. It. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's okay. I can move on. I can I can go back here and talk a little bit about um, Malak here. All right. So why is Malek especially evil? The primary idols of the surrounding tribes, we're talking about um, Baal, Asheroth, and Malek. And when you are dealing with these gods, they, they often take and demand life for life. They demand um, this worship that... You go to my history and find it? Okay. All right. Let's, let's do this. Let's just play Finish it. your sentence. They no, worship... Just play it. Just play it. We're good. All right. Okay. Well, you I don't know what I was going to say. Just, I forget. Okay. My brain went blank. Okay. Excavations of ancient Israel have unearthed an abundance of pottery, remnants of ancient daily life. These vessels had a wide variety of uses, but perhaps its most unusual use was as an urn for infant remains. What you see here is a 6,000-year-old jar we're looking for are the baby's bones. To determine if this jar contains a 6,000-year-old baby, archaeologists must send it through a CT scan. Wow, the faith here. As a gulgolet. Fantastic. Fantastic. Here we see the skull. Here we see the spine. The ribs are here and the pelvis here. We see a tibia here and here's another tibia. This looks like a hip. The legs are curled. The baby is in a fetal position. The bones are in terrible shape. There's no way to restore it. We will have to break apart this jar and dig out the skeleton. Fortunately, all the pieces are here. They just need to be put back together. It's the first step in determining if this child was sacrificed. One of the greatest tales of sacrifice comes from the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac. The book of Genesis tells us that Abraham is God's most loyal follower. In return for his faith, God promises to make Abraham the father of many nations. But when God demands Abraham kill his son, Isaac, it goes against all his spiritual beliefs. Abraham faces an impossible choice. He must sacrifice his beloved son or defy his God. Our possible sacrificial child comes from some of the earliest ancient settlements in the Holy Land of Abraham at a place called Fetzael. 6,000 years ago, this land was known as Canaan. According to biblical tradition, at the time Canaanites were living here, their tribes paid tributes to many gods with offerings of goats, sheep, 
and grain, and sometimes children. Mm. And sometimes our response is identical. Mm. 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 All right, so we are going to now talk about the goddess Ishtar and... I have no videos for you because even if I no, did, because the girl is naked, it, and when there are there are images of people like grown, it's just images. Y'all don't even don't I'm Google it. Don't do Google it. My best to be as kosher as possible when talking about Ishtar, but when you see what we are seeing today, and we're making the correlations, mm -hmm. uh, I want to just kind of give you the history, and then we'll make we'll make the correlation. Ishtar um, was an ancient god and was very popular because she's one of the original female deities of the Mesopotamian pantheon. She was also the goddess of war. War. This became the primary function for her after the rise of Akkadian Akkadian Empire. The Akkadians made war a yearly uh, job and a pastime. As the goddess of war, successful rulers would adopt versions of her name such as Lipit Ishtar, the fifth king of the first dynasty of Insin, he ruled from uh, 1934 to 1924 uh, BC. E, a, a deified names of rulers uh, were as typical as they were considered elected by the gods to rule. Inscriptions from the same region as late as the 5th century BCE also speak of the goddess Ishtar, inscribed on a cylinder from the reign of King Nabon Nabonidus, uh, that's about 500 BC, are the military exploits of the king who credits who gives credit to various gods for victories among them ishtar says sin shamash and ishtar my lords but ishtar was popular among the common people as well she was often credited as being the goddess of love sex and fertility her role as fertility go goddess and you see these very naked beings was primarily due in part that very female deities existed to pick from very few moreover ishtar was also uh, filled the role of a young woman in the mesopotamian pantheon there were already mother goddesses in the pantheon, such as Ki or Nin Kershkag. Thus, Ishtar's roles tended to mirror what people would expect of a young female deity that is coming of age. She was moody. She was uncontrollable rage when slighted, sexually promiscuous, and constantly seeking male companionship. And in, and in, uh, in some A&E cultures, the function of the temple prostitute was created by Ishtar. That would mean women who would sleep with people as part of a ritual, religious ritual. That is disgusting. Just FYI. The temples dedicated to Ishtar featured such women. The, um, I would call those only fan girls. Oh dear. You would, wouldn't you? I they would, are channeling yeah. Ishtar. They're, yes. Yeah. Uh, in the Akkadian legend of Ira and Isham, Uruk, the city of Anu and Ishtar, they were lovers in the story, are called the city of, literally called the city of prostitutes. Thus, what is obvious about the cult, occultic practices associated with Ishtar is that it was closely related to temple worship and cult sex. What you're going to see over, over the past 100 years is a new religion has emerged. And there are cultural practices. And so when you have Rainbow Month, that is like Christmas. And Ishtar was actually worshipped in the month of June. And we're going to um, maybe in a minute. You know what? I think now is the time. Facebook. Facebook, yes. We need to say goodbye. And you're coming. And I gave you a little taste of what you're going to see. But come over to Rumble. I'm copying And you the will link. see the uncensored version. Putting so it on Facebook. Stop these goddesses. 
and gods from controlling our minds. Just go to Resistance Chicks channel on Rumble. There is that is. okay with you? Do we give them enough time? I think we gave them enough time. We weren't going to do anything on Facebook about okay. this. So okay. you guys want the uncensored version anyway. Okay. Okay. So we are, when you, what we're really seeing with the LGBT movement is this goddess Ishtar that's out and about. Mm -hmm. And um, especially, I think the drag queens are like akin a little bit to the temple prostitutes. When you see Ishtar, it's very busty. And you see these kids going to drag queen story hours with like Ishtar looking gods. Yes, and and you know it. Isn't you it know that's exactly what they look like. So this week, um, and I won't play this video. So uh, Joe Biden at the White House had LGBT um, whatever week. Mm -hmm. And th and and they flash themselves at the White House. No. Yes, transgenders flash their fake duties, and transgenders who had their chest cut off, <coughs> sorry, flashed themselves too. You know what I find really fascinating? Are they seeing this? No, they're not. Um, what I find fascinating about this is I want to kind of confirm. And they, the goddess Ishtar always has some sort of head dressing. And you see that in the LGBT, you see that in the drag queen story hours. You see that when you see the drag queens, yeah. like whether it's their big hair, you do. why does their hair always have it, to be is, so big? It, yeah. I feel like they are all channeling the goddess of Ishtar. Yeah. And well, and also get this. So in uh first timothy chapter two like one of these has her have like she's got wings so you kind of do see these costumes that kind of come up at the shoulders and stuff in first timothy chapter two paul admonishes women not to go about with like big fancy braided hair and costly pearls the the ephesus was the seat of the goddess artemis mm -hmm. or later the romans called diana yeah and she was the same kind of spirit. I would say she, she, this, this, whatever this perverse spirit is, mm -hmm. moved into Greek and renamed herself, renamed itself. I don't think it's a her. I think it's just a demonic spirit. Yeah. Artemis. Right. And supposedly the legend of Artemis started and she was born in Ephesus. And so you read in Acts where how great is the god Diana or Artemis. And they worshipped her because they were so cool, because they were the seat of artists. But they would cult. often, at the temples, I well, didn't wear my hair I'm they in would, today on purpose. Well, Artemis, you might be able to get a picture of Artemis uh, of Ephesus. That's not horrible. No, you can't. She's got the big chest. Well, they would try to look like her. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, and with the braided and hair. So, so Paul is addressing that specific Looking thing. like the like the goddess because Artemis. that's what they would have done like don't show up and so to, to, it was to, an idol worship in dress exactly so don't show up to our fellowships yeah looking like a hoochie mama exactly so to, don't not saying, look like a hoochie mama he's not saying don't braid your hair right he's saying don't worship don't don't dress in such a way as those women who are literally dressing in a way to worship and mimic this as goddess. an aside while we're talking about this you can go back and watch um should our women should mm -hmm. women preach the devil says no series we did three of those with tom yeah. and alice marchesani going back into context these back to diana yeah and artemis yeah when paul is addressing again in letters to these churches yeah He's literally addressing the fact that these priestesses mm -hmm. have converted, they've become Christians, and they're trying to take over the services. And one of the things that was primary in the teaching of Artemis 
Diana, mm -hmm. is that when he says, who was created first, Adam or Eve? They really believed that, that Eve was created first, that and, Eve was to rule over and Adam. Adam was deceived. And that Adam was deceived. Yeah. And so when you read that specific passage, it all scholars will tell you that that sentence, who was created first, Adam or Eve, literally doesn't fit there and doesn't make any sense. And the, unless you understand the context. Well, and the next scripture is what they really say doesn't fit is that, and if she continues in the faith, she'll be saved in childbirth. And Leah, again, speaking to Ishtar, aka, not Ishtar, Diana, aka Artemis, one of the things that was widely known in worship they was they had would go to. to her. It would be part of their daily life. Like all women would go to her. Because they, if they wanted to have children so that they would be fertile, so that they would be saved in, child, in yeah. childbearing and child childbirth is dangerous. And they believe that they would be saved by sacrificing and worshiping Artemis. Artemis. Yeah. And exactly. so that's, that's the sentence, excuse me, forgive me. I want to correct myself. That's the sentence where all scholars are like, wait a minute, that doesn't even make any sense. She'll be saved in childbirth. No, if you come out from the Artemis cult, if you have these, and you're worried, like, wait, now I'm not worshiping so, her anymore. Am I going to be saved in childbirth? And Paul's like, yes, you'll be saved in the Lord in childbirth. So in first Timothy chapter two, does that forbid women from preaching? It forbids women who were in the Artemis cult from bringing and usurping authority saying, and that usurping authority is only used once in the Bible and it's used there. Um, and it means to go in and take from, and it was women who were worshiping like this goddess Ishtar. And they're like, we got this, we're in control. We're going to come and teach you. And he's like, no, you sit down and learn. Yeah. You sit down and learn first because this is a new religion. This isn't your Artemis call. Exactly. Okay. We do, you know, we do men and women here. All Scriptures right. must be taken in context. You do understand that Paul didn't sit out to go, I'm going to write this. And for 2000 years, this is going to become what all Christians use as the word of God. He was writing a letter. So what was he talking about when he was writing the letter and who was he writing it to? All right. So Ishtar's original Mesopotamian name was actually Inanna not Ishtar, depending on the time period of the text that speak of her. She was the daughter of Enlil or Inki. Other texts describe her as the daughter uh, of the father of deities, An or Anu, making her the sibling of uh, Enli or Aniki. Another popular origin story from early Mesopotamia claimed that she was the daughter of Nana, the moon god. Oh, shoot. We had a Nana. Now you can't have a Nana. Uh, the, uh, that, this uh, best explains her original name as Inanna. Since Mesopotamian deities were worshipped before the rise of modern technologies, it is very common to see the names of these deities adjusted for their regional dialects in different languages. All right, so you've got over here, you can see, I don't know if you can see them. You've got the Inanna, up. the Sumerian, Ishtar is the um, Assyrian, the Babylonian, um, the Hittite would call her Ashereth. Um, so you've got how... Um, you don't, you can't not find it. It's the dust I off got, the Bible I got it. I find version. It. It's easy to see that uh, Ishtar was a rather popular goddess. And Michelle brings up the map. You'll see kind of basically uh, how these different uh, names and different people groups all worshipped her. Uh, I don't think you needed to click on the map. I was trying to make it map. bigger. Yeah. It's, it's going to be pretty small, but hopefully yeah. you guys will be able to One see. main reason is because so many cultures already had a goddess similar to the original Inanna. So as one culture grew to dominate the others, many of these stories blended. One of the oldest and well-known witnesses to the identity of Ishtar is the mythical story of how she descended into the underworld, akin to the um, 
the uh, Paris phone in the Greek culture. The legend has been rehashed in multiple cultures, but the typical story is that Ishtar goes to the underworld where she is killed. After three days and three nights, she is revived by her rescuers and makes an escape. In other versions of the story, she is freed by the ransom of her lover, Dumuzi. In various later stories, her lover was named Tammuz. We later see this in Ezekiel 8. You want to read that? Then I, I he brought me to the entrance of the north. Let's just scroll down. Uh, great of the house of the Lord. And I saw women sitting there mourning the God Tammuz. He said to me, did you see this son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. Mm. It is the legends of her going into the underworld, which reveal the story behind some of her symbols. In one such story, she descends into the underworld with a measuring line and a rod to understand the bulk of her symbols. One should read the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, Gilgamesh and the era of Ishim and the descent of Ishtar. Additionally, the ancient city of Nineveh had multiple temples over their history and were that were dedicated to Ishtar. According to the Mesopotamian legend, the Fertile Crescent housed seven temples dedicated to Inanna, Ishtar. And they conducted prayers and rituals as prescribed by ancient customs. One such prayer was recorded in the Hittite region in the poetry uh, and uh, the prayer. Right, the writer is asking for Ishtar to bring favor upon them. I'm not going to read that. Uh, the symbols of Ishtar. So you have a ring, a measuring line, and a rod, a bird with wings or feet. And you are going to kind of maybe scroll quickly They're past that. They're not seeing that. Okay. Uh, a lion, a seductive woman, an eight-pointed star on or off of her staff, a staff with two snakes on it, swords usually uh, near the bird wings. Some symbols that are best known to come from this uh, Bernie relief carving, which dates back to the 1800s BCE. Her depiction seems to match an ancient inscription about her very that very closely parallels the story um, we just recited above, the descent of Ishtar. So I think you guys can kind of get it. I think if you scroll really quickly past them, they can get an idea of what um, that she looked like. You could just go boom. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about her in the Bible, First uh, Kings 11:5. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom and the abomination of the Amorites. That dude, he had some sexuality problems. Solomon did. did. Ashtaroth is a Canaanite version of Ishtar. By most accounts, Ashtaroth is a cross between Ashtaroth, Egyptian, and Inanna, the Sumerian. She was perhaps one of the most mentioned deities in the Old Testament. So. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Judges 10, 6. Samuel 7, 4. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Yeah, it is uh, here that a note on Hebrew grammar is needed. One will notice that the Bible mentions both Ashtoreth and Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is the plural form of Ashtoreth. In Judges 10.6, the reader should also note that Israel served uh, the Baals, plural, and the Ashtaroth, plural. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Kemesh, the abomination of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Second Kings 23.13, 1 Kings 18.19 says, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Ashtar Ash Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. 
While we think of Israel as being a monotheistic people, it's important to realize that the general population was rather superstitious, and many people within the nation worshipped the Canaanite deities. One of the most notorious was Jezebel, who actually had 400 prophets to, uh, of Ashereth. They would have been considered oracles in that they could intercede between Ashereth and the ruling elite. The children gather wood, the fathers kindle, kindle fire, and the women need dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. That's who we're talking about, Jeremiah 7.18. Jeremiah said, or excuse me, Jeremiah seven eighteen says it again, and yeah. they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. So where else they pour out drink offerings? Remember BLM? Mm -hmm. Libations. So and when BLM was going around, we were like, oh my gosh, this is a cult. This is a cult. And they would make you say their name, mm -hmm. like say his name, say his name. George Floyd. And these BLM cultists who were leading the cult, we did a whole show on this, would pour out. Like Patrice Give me colors. some water. Give me some water. And say his name, George Floyd, and they pour out some water as, and they were legit cultic practices. Yeah, exactly. Jeremiah 44, 25 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you and your wives have declared with your mouths and have fulfilled it with your hands, saying we will surely perform our vows that we have made to make offerings to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her. Then confirm your vows and perform your vows. Hmm. So just by the pictures, you can see that it's awful and we should not be worshiping I barely showed them any pictures. Yeah, well, when you go back and you look, because you're going to want to know, um, we're going to talk about the gods, uh, the goddess of Ishtar. It is, she's a goddess of uh, perversion. And the god Malek, obviously, I think a lot of people know about the god Malek. So we didn't really go over that. Now we're going to talk about um, the god Baal. So, you know, um, for instance, in the Bible, we know that it was, um, the altars of Baal were constantly all over the Bible. You just read those with, um, Ishtar and Baal worship. I think most of us consider Baal worship as like any sort of God, God worship. But if you bring up, I do have a video here of the, hi, my name is Jack Racker. No, not that one. The, uh, who was Baal? If you bring that one up, I don't know if you've got that one. I can have this one. Okay, so who was Baal, the worship of, um, that is a constant struggle for the Israelites and Baal worship. Baal was the name of the god who was worshipped throughout Canaan and Phoenicia in ancient times. During the Judges period, the practice of Baal worship entered Jewish religious life. Judges, chapter 3, verse 7, NIV. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. The practice of Baal worship became widespread in Israel during the reign of Ahab. 1 Kings chapter 16 verses 31 through 33 NLT And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. And the practice of Baal worship also affected Judah. 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1-4, through 4, NIV. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, and also made idols for worshipping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and sacrificed his children in the fire. 
engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. The plural of the word Baal is Balaam, which means Lord. Baal was a fertility god who was thought to help the earth produce crops and people produce offspring in general. Various parts worshipped Baal in different methods, and Baal proved to be a highly universal god. Various locales highlighted one or another of his attributes and designed special sects of Baalism. Baal of Peor, as we see in Numbers chapter 25, verse 3, and Baal Bereth, as we see in Judges chapter 8, verse 33, are two examples of such localized deities. Numbers chapter 25, verse 3. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. Judges chapter 8, verse 33. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Bereth as their god. The word Baal appears infrequently in the Old Testament as a personal name. The word's etymology shows that Baal was considered as the owner of a certain location, thereby limiting its use to individuals who were no longer nomads but had settled down. These local Baals were thought to be in charge of agriculture, creatures, and humanity's fertility. It was crucial to win their favor, especially in a place like Pal, where there are few natural streams or springs and rainfall is unpredictable. This led to the adoption of extreme forms in the cultus, including the practice of ritual prostitution and child sacrifice. Judges chapter 2, verse 17, New King James Version. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked, in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. Amos chapter 10, verse 7, New King James Version. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, and pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 9, New King James Version. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? The most meaningful use of the title in the Old Testament is its reference to the great active god of the Canaanite pantheon. An equation with Hadad, the Amorite god, whose nature and functions were almost identical, seems clear. Baal eventually ascended to the position of preeminent deity in the region. Part of this process, according to some researchers, can be traced back to the Ugaritic scriptures. Baal is identified as the son of Dagon, another Amorite deity, possibly a vegetation or grain god, rather than El, who was undoubtedly the original head of the Canaanite gods. At Rosh Shamra, the ancient Ugarit site, temples to Baal and Dagon have been uncovered, but none devoted to El himself. Baal is depicted in the scriptures wearing a helmet, embellished with a bull's horns, a symbol of strength and fertility. He holds a club or mace in one hand, probably representing thunder, and a spear adorned with leaves in the other, possibly representing both lightning and vegetation. In Aramean sculptures, Baal is depicted riding a bull, which may be related to Aaron and Jeroboam I's calf images, which were most likely used as pedestals for the invisible Yahweh. Anath, referred to euphemistically as the Virgin Anath, was Baal's spouse and sister, and shared many of his escapades. The Day of the Lord may have originated as a celebration of Yahweh's victory over the forces of chaos, okay, you can stop presumably that. at the New Year. All right, so this is kind of, I don't know if this is exactly uh, where we wanted to go with, with all of that, but with Baal worship, Deuteronomy 12.31 says, You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, 
because worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that I command you, and all these commands, do not add from them and do not take from them. And also in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 10, when you enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways, the ways of the nations there. Do not uh, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or their daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcrafts, or casts spells, or who is a medium, or who is a spiritist, or who consults the dead. So wait, Leah, tell me again, um, so somehow all of that stuff just has gone away. Like maybe there's a couple of people. So we went from it's completely everywhere, it's all over the place, it's all talked about throughout the whole Old Testament. This is really bad when we read in Kings, we see all these kings, and they didn't take down the high places, they didn't take down the high places, they didn't take down the high places, and all that. And now we're told it's just gone it's just gone just a few things here and there maybe you see a little you know palm reader place or someone that does tarot cards or maybe um the t-shirts at target have like the devil on them but really by and large just poof it's just gone the devil just gave up on all that yeah that's what we're told that's no, what you're taught in church no because people what happened where to go through um and do you want to make this a two-part series that's up to you that's up to you. So yeah, I think we should at the very least play some of Jonathan Cons if we do it in on two the parts first part. on the first part. Okay. All right. So Brighty on, if you're listening, you're in here for a two part series. So come back next Sunday. <laughs> uh, the rest of you stick with us. These gods or goddesses were exercised. Mm. There was an exorcism when the gospel spread. People would come in with the gospel and the gospel would push these demons out, push the powers out. Yeah. They would, um, just by preaching the gospel, it would shut them up. Really you see when the gospel stops being preached, then, uh, and you're like, well, the gospel is preached. No, 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 no. We have a church in every corner, but the gospel isn't preached. Uh-oh. We have a church every in every city but the gospel isn't preached there what is you know the gospel, how i know Leah? because the entire the entire nation is has allowed these these uh demons to proliferate again and to expand their nonsense and their territory all over the places that the, the demons it's like if you had eradicated a a rat problem and but you didn't get them all well you let them back in. Right. I think they got them all. And then they, well, most of them. And then they just let them go. And the Christians are going around with eyes, their hands over their eyes. Like, I don't see the rats because they don't know what the rats look like. Christians are doing exactly what the ancient Israelites did. So what had happened when the ancient Israelites uh, came out of Egypt and they are, uh, they were wondering, Hey, should we maybe worship these gods, should we maybe appease the gods around us? The, um, the earliest deity recognized by the peoples of the ancient Near East uh, was the creator god El. His mistress, the fertility god Ashereth, gave birth to many gods, including a powerful god named Baal, Lord. There appears to have been only one Baal, who was manifested in lesser Baals in different places and times. Over the years, Baal became the dominant deity, and the worship of El faded. Baal won his dominance by defeating the other deities, including the god of the sea, the god of the storms, rain, and lightning, and the god of death. Baal's victory over death was thought to be repeated each year when he returned to the land. He returned the land from death, the underworld, bringing rain to renew the earth's fertility. Hebrew culture viewed the sea as evil and destructive. 
So Bales promised to prevent storms and control the sea, as well as his ability to produce abundant harvest made him attractive to the Israelites. It's hard to know why Yahweh's people failed to, to see that he alone had the power over all these things. So uh, Baal worshippers appeased him by offering sacrifices, usually animals such as sheep or bulls, 1 Kings 18.23. Some scholars believe that the Canaanites also sacrificed pigs, and God prohibited people from eating pork. So you, Isaiah 65 talks about that. Um, God specifically appointed the tribe of Levi as his special servants in place of the firstborn of the Israelites, they had no excuse of offering their children. The Bible's repeated condemnation of child sacrifice shows God's hatred of it. When we see this kind of move from um, you're you're leaving you're leaving um, Egypt and you're you're going out into the the land. When the Israelites entered Canaan, they found the land of farmers, not shepherds. As they had been in the wilderness, the land was fertile beyond anything the Hebrew nomads had ever seen. The Canaanites attributed this fertility to their god Baal. And that is where the Israelites' problem began. Could the god who led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness also provide fertile farms in the promised land? Or would the fertility god of Canaan have to be honored? Maybe to be safe, let's worship both, mm -hmm. Yahweh and Baal. An intense battle for the minds and the hearts of God's people ensued, and we see that throughout the book of Judges, which records this ongoing struggle. The people's repentance and then God's forgiveness. Under the kings, the spiritual battle continued with Ahab and Jezebel. The fertility cults appeared to have the official sanction of Israel's leaders. Ahab, with his wife's encouragement, built a temple to Baal at his capital, Samaria. All the while, prophets like Elijah, which means Yahweh is God, Hosea, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, thundered that Yahweh alone deserved the people's allegiance. It took the Assyrian destruction of Israel and the Babylonian captivity of Judah to convince the Israelites that there is only one omnipotent God. So let's break down this word in the Old Testament, Elohim. It's, it's um, the gods, right? The gods. What, it, what do they actually mean? Okay. When you go to different scriptures, and it, and it usually refers to the gods in the Old Testament, you get mm -hmm. Elohim. Mm -hmm. uh, we also refer to God as Elohim. Mm -hmm. The outline of it in biblical uses means mm -hmm. rulers and judges, divine ones, angels, gods, or in mm -hmm. the plural sense, God, goddess, godlike one, works or special possessions of God, the true God, or God, you know, like just the one God. But let's look at these, rulers and judges. In the New Testament, we're told that we are to take down the um, rulers in high places, powers. right? Rulers and, and high we places. And we do not battle against flesh and blood. Well, we battle against rulers. Are these? We battle against these gods. Yes. We are battling against these beings you that we're talking nail, about here. Nail meat head. These divine ones, gods, or AKA fallen angels. Now I know Corey Gray thinks that the there are no fall there are no more fallen angels. Lee and I may just disagree with that, and that's okay. It doesn't matter. The the premise of it all is the same. Okay, that the fallen angels have been cast into the lake of fire or whatever. For for this application for today, we're going with the fallen angels are still here, and these guys are it. Yeah, um, some people do believe you that just they say they're are demonic. the offspring of the fallen angels and humans. Either way, they're it, demons. To me, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. straight up, it doesn't matter to me. If it matters to somebody else, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you what does matter. Yeah. Is that these gods right here that are being spoken of mm -hmm. 
are the same as manifesting mm -hmm. right now in multiple areas. Abortion, the LGBTQ plus, it's all demonic. And here's the beauty of it all. Yeah. Behold, I have given you power over all, all the works of, of the enemies. All That's of this. these. This is, we have power. Yeah. So yeah. we're not battling people. Right. We're not battling against flesh and blood. We are straight up battling these spirits. These spirits. Now, are they real gods? No. Do they have this the actual attributes to which they these never people did. gave them? It's all a lie. It's they a never facade. did. It's a it's snake oil. God always said they have no power. Exactly. God said that God. But they have asked... the power that you give them. What you let in. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, back to Ishtar for a second. Asherath or Ishtar was worshipped in many ways, and we're going to make a correlation here, including through ritual sex. Although she was believed to be Baal's mother, she was also his mistress. Okay? Pagans practiced sympathetic magic. That is, they believed that they could influence the gods' actions by performing the, the behavior they wished the gods to demonstrate. Believing the sexual union of Baal and Asherath produced fertility, their worshippers engaged in immoral sex to cause the gods to join together ensuring good harvests they literally would go to ensure good harvests and have sex in these temples this practice became the basis for religious prostitution the priest or a member male member of the community represented Baal. the priestess or a female members of the community represented ashtoreth in this way god's incredible gift of sexuality was perverted to the most obscene public prostitution now we're going to get to the new testament for a second and we're going to get, then we're going to get to jonathan khan's video to show that's ancient culture now, where were these in the New Testament? Okay. Many, if not all, of the Old Testament gods had disappeared, at least by name by the time of Jesus. Beelzebub, based on the Philistine god Baal-zebul, okay, had become a synonym for the prince of demons, Satan. Many of the ancient pagan deities lived on, however. Um, and so you hear Jesus is saying, if I, if I cast out in the name of Beelzebub, that, that would be Baal. Okay, now identified with the gods of the Greeks and the Romans, the nations who controlled the people of Israel before the New Testament times. Um, so you've got the leader of the gods basically was Zeus, Jupiter to the Romans, uh, took on the role of Baal, the god of weather or storms, Artemis, the goddess of childbirth and fertility, and, and Aphrodite, the goddess of love, continued the Asterisk cults under a new name. We read about that in Acts 1935 who great is the goddess artemis um but with worship practices that were as immoral as ever it is said that in corinth alone there were more than a thousand prostitutes to aphrodite's temple hades the greek god of the underworld became the namesake for the place of the dead and even for hell itself in matthew 16 18 jesus referred to the gates of hades or the underworld believed to be uh, by some, the grotto of the Caesarean Philippi, which from which one of the sources of the Jordan River came. The grotto itself was part of the temple complex used in the worship of the Greek god Pan. Pan was detected, de depicted as an ugly man with horns and mm. legs and the ears of a goat. Most stories about him refer to sexual affairs. The worship practices of his followers were no different. Pan was associated with Dionysus, the Greek god of wine and orgies, whose worshippers continued many of the sexual rites of the Old Testament gods of the Baal cult. Dionysus was worshipped in the pagan uh, Decapolis across the Sea of Galilee from the center of Jesus' ministry. Okay? Clearly, these gods have not changed. Michelle, could you bring up the video 
from that was sent to me by uh, Jack Stagman, and we played part of. I don't know if you downloaded it to bring it up or if it's in just in the, your Facebook Messenger. I can't get to my Facebook Messenger. How did we do it last time? We already played some of it, right? Yeah. So I don't think I downloaded it, but it should be in the history, correct? Or maybe I did download it. Let's I see think if it's still here. I think you did because um, you wanted you you got it real quick. I want you to see before I go this um, this video. We played this earlier, so let's see if it's here. Is this it? It is. Yeah. Cool called Ashtoreth. She, in, in Mesopotamia, she's called Ishtar. When she went into the Greek land, she was called Aphrodite, and then Venus. She is all over. Hmm. And she's mentioned specifically there. Now, in, in the Canaanite mythology, she's actually the wife of Baal. So Baal has a wife, okay? And so, so when Baal comes, the next one to come, it says, in the Bible says Baal, then it says Ashtoreth. Then she's coming in. So what this means is once the door is open, she is the goddess of sexuality, of sexual immorality. She's the goddess, she's actually called a prostitute. She's the goddess who, who her temples were filled with, with sexuality, all, it was made, made it public. So if she returns, what would happen? If she comes out, it means that America is under, gonna undergo a sexual revolution. <laughs> that, is the, that is the sign of the possession of Ishtar or this goddess. And the thing is, so sex comes, she, what she did, what a prostitute is, is she, she actually she actually damages marriage. She actually weakens marriage. That's what that's what happens. Bring sexuality into the culture. In ancient times in Israel, she in the Middle East, she put her images of naked people all over the cultures. And so not only she was in her Greek form, she gave birth to a to a child named Eros. We get the word erotica. So erotica starts flooding America. She the word for prostitute, which is what she was in her Greek incarnation, is the word porne. We get the word porn from it. So there's an explosion of pornography all over the culture. So what Baal does in one sense she's repaganized she's overturning biblical standards of sexuality and marriage and she is paganizing our culture through sexuality and through possessing it and she's also the goddess of spells and witchcraft hmm. so she casts her spell on america and we are still in it to this day and, and it goes further sid because because something strange about the goddess and that is that has to do with gender because what she also did let me tell you in her ancient inscriptions i'm looking at these ancient inscriptions she says i am a woman I am a man. It says this is, it said in her, in, in her hymns, it says she has the power to transform a man into a woman and a woman into a man. So, so what's gonna happen? Wow. What's gonna happen if she comes into the culture? You're gonna start seeing, what she's gonna do is she's gonna start, she's gonna start masculinizing women, defeminizing women, and feminizing men. That, that touches everything. I mean, it touches our culture, touches our, the roles, touches radical feminism and sexuality. And so, so all this stuff that we're having, saying, how could this happen? This is all the goddess. This is all, it's all there. It even goes further. She had a priesthood. Her priests, listen to this, in her temples were, they were men who dressed up as women. And they, 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 they acted as women dressed up. So what's gonna happen if she comes back? What's gonna happen is, as she possesses a culture, is that men will start dressing, we'll start seeing that in our culture, which we do. These are her ancient priesthood. Also, they were involved in same-sex sexuality. We see that explosion as well. Also, it says, remember, she says she turns men into women, transitions them and women into men. Her priests, many of her priests were actually surgically altered. And she especially, all the gods, but she goes after, they go after the children. Because if you have the children, you have the future. And so that happened in ancient times, happening now. And so you think, what would possess a, a, an adult to do this to children? Well, what would possess it? The spirit. This is what, this, the spirit of the goddess.
Hmm. And I, I'm going to go even far, farther because this is mind-boggling. And that is that the goddess was in charge, which he was a goddess of parades. She had parades hmm. happening all over. And when I looked at the ancient inscriptions of the parades, it describes them. And it says, it says in the parades, the men would dress up as women in the parades. Hmm. The women would dress as a men. It that would be a parade like of gender bending. That, like, and that's exactly what, like when you see this happening now, yeah. that's the sign Our of the goddess. Again, and Sid, it's even like more mind-boggling because like I'm looking at this and I look at the ancient, the ancient ancient observers and they said when did this thing happen they said it happened even saint jerome it happened in the month they called it in, in latin junium june was the month of the goddess she claimed a month june and she was the goddess of pride so we have now a pride month it's all come back this is not be through these things through these festivals she possesses a culture and that and that's the sign that she has come back boom boom Boom, boom. All right, so... If that it, right there yeah. doesn't just sum up our whole show, though... That is kind of our whole show. Like, that's that's it. We are seeing it right now, but here's the good news. Yeah. These gods, they're just demonic. We can beat that because we have been given power over all the power of the enemy. That is the punchline that I really want to get to, and I, we only have a few minutes left on our Brideon, uh first part segment. But... um. This, the, what dawned on me when I watched that um, segment by Jonathan Kahn, and I, I think if I reworded it, I wouldn't say the gods are back. I would say the spirits, these demonic spirits are re-manifesting themselves. Exactly. In this way. When we feel like we are dealing with people, like it's just these organizations, like why is Bud Light doing the pride flag? And why did, why is it this month everybody has to be rainbow? It's because it is the culture's religion and you must, and religion must be forced and foisted upon people if it's not Christianity. Yeah. Because this is a universal thing. You don't understand, Michelle. We have to appease it. the gods. I get it. Yeah. Okay. If you, you don't must appease, appease the, the gods, gods and so every, then bad things will no, happen to you, all of us. You literally just hit the nail on the head. So when you see all these companies coming out with their pride flags and all of this equity, inclusion, diversity, whatever, it's a religion. All of it is we must appease the gods. We must appease the gods. And so for me, I knew how to defeat them. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought they were just people. And now I know when you think we were just having a conversation with a friend that thought that they were arguing with another friend, when they realized it was just the devil, ah, I had the answers for that. Yeah. I can, when you're dealing with somebody with a pride flag and you think you're going to try to reason with them, there's no reasoning with the devil. There's no reasoning with the demonic. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We just did an amazing episode that's going to come up with Pastor Pastor. Pastor Pastor Casper, Pastor Casper McLeod, um, ex uh, rock musician, or I guess he still is one Christian rock musician uh, with uh, Carrie Madej's pastor, I believe, about deliverance and saying the Lord rebuke you. So we're gonna when you come back when you stay with us here, we're gonna bring up some of these scriptures, but we're not done yet because. We want to do a little bit more research into how are we seeing these gods manifest in our lives and in the world today? Because when you recognize it, oh, that's just demonic. 
oh, that's just demonic. And you recognize that when you recognize it's demonic, we can push through that, then we win. Exactly. And so when we're talking, to, when we use the word gods, this is what I want you guys to do in your heads. Just translate that into demonic beings, mm -hmm. demonic forces, evil spirits. That's what we're talking about. But the reason why we're going to continue to use the word gods is to get it to sink into your head that the exact same demonic beings behind these ancient gods and goddesses are the same demonic beings that are being foisted and forced upon us today. So, so if you're watching on Brideon, yes, that's please support. Go ahead. Please. Yeah. Go to the Brideon store. Use promo code CHICKS. Support the Brideon TV network and Mike, Adams. and Mike Adams for the phenomenal work that they are doing. And tune in and watch Resistance Chicks right here on the Brideon network every Sunday at 5 p.m. and also on Fridays at 6 p.m. where we go live for the week's headline news. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth that these ancient gods have materialized themselves into, today I set an alarm for this timer, have materialized themselves, rematerialized themselves today. We will see you next time right here on Bridie on Part TV. Two. Okay, pause now. I told you guys this was behind the scenes. You guys are getting to be with us, and I know you guys enjoy being Do a part of it. Do you need to stop record and press record again? Uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. Stop record, press record again. All right, so now we're doing our second segment. So you guys are going to, I need to shave off of this timer here a second. Enough time for the intro, so we'll just do 56 minutes. So you guys are. add the intro later. Okay, here we go. Boom. And are so I'm going to start with a brand new intro, guys. Like, you just got to pretend. You were here the whole time. You ready? You know what I'm saying? We just make believe. All right. But there is, but it's belief because it's real. Okay. You're ready? You're not ready. And why does it say 57 again? I thought we fixed it. I think it. we can get it. I can, I can go with one minute extra. You won't. I will, you will do it. not do it. I can do it. You will not. Here we go. I think I got it now. Okay. Ready? Hey guys, welcome back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. Welcome to the Brighteon.tv network. We are so happy to be here. Last week, we came to you and we were talking about the ancient gods and goddesses. Ishtar, Baal, Artemis, mm. Diana, some of the Malek. same, Malek. Um, we learned so much. So if you missed that one, you can go back and watch it on our Brighteon.com channel, Resistance Chicks. Or just stay tuned because I think we're going to fill in some of the gaps here again today. But Leah, why is it so important that we know now? The culture wars have raged from D.C. to California. And we have a really cool prophetic rabbi, Jonathan Kahn. Love him. And he's here with an explanation behind the radical headlines Americans have endured over the past decades. Uh, if you bring this a CBN interview up, let's play this. And he's going to talk about... The if you guys remember Jonathan Kahn from the Harbinger, I think that this particular this particular um, book series or whatever that he's done, the Return of the Gods, I, I think is the most helpful for me. Yeah, because it's not like the Return of the Gods. It's oh my gosh, everything that we're seeing with the LGBT movement with war, it's the same with, old thing. It's just it's the same. And when you can, here's what here's here's. Here's what's going to help all of us. Mm. Then we can begin to apply how God addressed these Old Testament gods yes. to today. Come but on. But you can't do it. If, if it said Baal everywhere, which they finally, they finally, they finally the got rid of Target because yeah. you saw it. Okay. People and so, weren't ready. They were not ready for Baal to be right on the t-shirts. 
And the behind the scenes, okay. Well, and it wasn't even the Target t-shirts. It was a the the artist who did the pride and and all that that um, artistry had all this other stuff on their Instagram. Mm -hmm. And this artist said, "Well, I didn't do that for Target." It's like, oh, but you're but you're a Satan worshiper. Yeah. Okay. And so um, we need to not need to see the the that the horns and the pitchforks for us to recognize Satan. And so this episode is going to show you so that you can say that is satanic. Get thee behind me, Satan, without, you know, worshiping the God is Artemis. You can, this is what we all these old Testament scriptures and these new Testament scriptures. When the devil comes at you with a pitchfork and horns, it's really easy. Oh, that's just the devil. But when he masquerades as an angel of light, rainbows lgbt it seems like all good happy puppy dogs child molestation pedophilia. and i think you guys are ready to see that it's always been demonic and the target hit the nail on the head but you should have been able to see it beforehand exactly exactly all right here we go it's muted to jonathan khan these guys are still around and they've invaded this country is it possible that behind the events transforming our culture, our nation, and your life is a mystery that goes back to ancient times? In his most explosive book ever, The Return of the Gods, New York Times bestselling author Jonathan Kahn pulls away the veil and reveals these shocking secrets. Uncover the mystery of the gods and how it's transforming your life. The Return of the Gods. All right, Jonathan Kahn joins us now via Skype. Jonathan, welcome back to the program. Always love having you. Hey, Andrew, great to be here. You refer to these gods as the Dark Trinity. Who are they and where did they come from? Okay, yeah, to, to just kind of give a, a quick overview of that is that, that this is definitely the most explosive book I've ever written. And that is the, the, the ultimate thing is it's affecting every one of our lives. And the, the, the setup in the Bible is this, that the Bible says that behind the gods of the nations are actually principalities. In the Hebrew, it says, the, it gives the word shadim. It was translated into Greek. It became the word daimonia. Paul says they're worshiping the daimonia. We get the word demon from it. So there's actually spirits or real things happening. Okay, now, when, when... You know, I hear a lot of people saying, Leah, the devil isn't talked about in the Old Testament. Demons aren't talked about in the Old Testament. You want to kind of cover that? Oh my gosh. You know, Leah makes such a good point because I hear, I do hear that the all the time. The devil isn't talked about like in the Old Testament and demons aren't talking about in the Old Testament. So how so do like... we even know that the devil is real? Well, all the worship of all the gods is demonic. You guys, it's all demons. What do you think it is? It's demons. The Bible talks about it all the time. It's all throughout the whole Old Testament. The worshiping, the high places, all of that is demonic. It's all the... But it doesn't talk about demons. It, it isn't really demons. What else would it be, Leah? If it's not God, and if it's the these most vile thing... are inhabiting these people because you see it talked about in the New Testament. These are spirits inhabiting the people through the worship. It is demonic worship. That's really good. It's throughout the whole Old Testament. Don't ever let anybody tell you, you know, the devil ain't in the Old Testament. Where do you see Satan? When the gospel came into the pagan...
pagan world 2,000 years ago, it drove these things out. The gods departed and the spirits departed. But Jesus gave a warning. And the warning he gave, he spoke about the man where the spirit comes out of him. And if he, he stays empty, that spirit's coming back to take over. And so this is not just about people. This is actually, he says, so it is with this generation or so it will be. This is also about cultures and nations. And the warning is that any nation or civilization that has been cleansed of the gods, like the West, like America, that if it ever turns away from God, if it ever turns back from God, then these spirits will return. These ancient spirits that were cast out will return. The gods will return to repossess it. And if you want to understand what's happening in America for the last half century, it's, it's craziness and it gets crazier. It's, it is these things. It is the repossession of one, a once Christian nation. So that the dark trinity is this, that when uh, Israel turned away from God, the there were three primary gods or you know spirits that came in, ultimately possessed it, and ultimately destroyed it. And these same same actual gods or really uh, demonic spirits have now come to America. Started around the time when we started turning away from God, early 60s, and you could see it like clockwork in the book. I'm not only speaking that they returned, but actually identifying them and how they're affecting our lives. So as you've kind of just done, we fast forward a few thousand years and you say that not only have they returned, but they have their hands in American culture. Explain that. Yeah. Well, the first one is, I'll, I'll, you know, I can only, of course, give a brief taste, Andrew, but here's a, here's yeah, a little taste of it. The first one uh, that came in Israel and actually actually changed everything was called the, the Possessor. Um, he has ancient names in the book, but he actually, what, what, his, what his role for Israel and for America is to turn a nation that has known God away from God, to cause it to forget God. And so when you look at the early 60s, that's exactly what happens. And the spirit comes in, and what this, this, this God or spirit did is it started driving God and starts driving God out of the culture, out of the schools, out of the government, out of all these things. Actually, the mission is to paganize, to take a Christian nation and actually paganize it. And that's exactly what happened when you, we started taking God out. Other, well, the house is never going to stay empty. Others are coming in. The next one, and I'm just giving a quick overview, you know that, uh, the next one is called the Enchantress. And this is a goddess and it actually was, was through Throughout the ancient world, this is the goddess of sexual immorality. And when and when you watch you, you watch what happens in the 1960s, we start taking God out. Then comes this whole revolution in sexuality. the The aim of this principality is to take a nation, a Christian nation, and actually paganize it through sexuality to overturn it, take sex out of marriage, put it, sexualize the culture, uh, actually destroy marriage because that's part of what this goddess did. Uh, and so that's what we've been watching ever since, and it has not stopped. And another thing is that actually it's from this goddess in ancient times that we get pornography. She's really, she's the creator of pornography, and she seduces a nation. We're dealing with it to this day. The third one, quick overview, is called, really in the book, right? is called The Destroyer. So, just the depictions of the goddesses are pornography. It is, yeah, just looking at them. And this is the, the oh, god or principality. The depictions of the goddesses are, are it's it's pornography. You actually don't just see just women. You see acts of pornography. Mm -hmm. You see this in ancient Rome. Yes. There's acts, a sexual acts that they depict visually yeah. to stimulate people. And it is, it is, it is it, the goddess worship, this god worship is a demonic worship and pornography. This is what we tell people. Pornography 
is the same as worshiping these gods. You're, and if you were to just, if you were to create a little temple and say, Artemis, come and be with me, you would know that you're opening yourself up to Satan. Yes. If you had a, if you had a, one of these Artemis's dolls or whatever in your home or a Baal statue, when you, would you think that that would be inviting demons? Inviting demons? Yes. That would be like a, a demon saying, I'm welcome here. Well, every time you click on the pornography, you're putting a god of Baal. Yep. You're, who is it? Who's also a, they're all sex gods, right? Okay. Um, an Artemis there. You're putting a Ishtar there. Every time you're looking at pornography. So when people say, my husband's addicted to pornography, my kids are addicted to pornography. Here's they the are being influenced and possibly possessed by demons. Pause, because this is really important. And this, if, is part, this is the main part of the show that I really want to get to. Husband is addicted to pornography and he is looking at it in your home, and he is. He's worshiping demons. And it you is, have, it is and especially worship. if you have children in the house, you are allowing those demons to come into your children. Yeah. Okay. Full stop. That has to end. It's, it's as if your your husband, every time it's as your if husband cannot stay and live in your house if you have children there and he's looking at pornography. He has dolls. They're literally like, imagine these Artemis dolls. Go look up Artemis. Go look up Ishtar. It's as if every time he opens up, it, pornography it brings in another doll. And he probably has a thousand dolls. Exactly. So when your child comes in, um, and and kids do see this, by the way, that you know they see it on the screen, but you just have to see spiritually what it is. Every time he clicks it, that's what makes the internet so much worse than anything else. Yes. Because you'd actually have to have a guy sit and carve the doll. You have to pay for it. It might be kind of expensive to have that. That's not, it's kind of free now. So every time, if he, every image is another. So your whole wall is blanketed with these demonic spirits. Demonic spirits are in your home. Rescue your children. Get out now. Like you They are in you your home. They, they are in and let me let me tell you something with pornography and again there is the recoverability of the addiction of porn mm -hmm. is never and i don't want to say this lightly maybe never is a strong word is hardly ever instantaneous mm -hmm. next to next to never mm -hmm. instantaneous it is over time mm -hmm. your husband needs to go and get help he mm -hmm. needs to get out of your family and go and get help. You cannot keep him in your home. 100% full stop. No exceptions. None. Because you are inviting devils into your home. I'm going to add another thing that Pastor McLeod brought into this conversation that I did not. And I we don't do enough of and we need to because it's very important. You reading those romance novels? Mm -hmm. Girls? Yeah. Ladies? Yeah. If you, you watching films? Yeah. That are depicting sexual things. Right. Inviting demons into your home. Yeah. Okay. It's just like Baal worship. And, oh, but this book actually, it's not a romance novel. It's a historical novel. It's, or no, not even just those. Regular novels. Maybe it's not a romance novel. It doesn't have some scantily clad woman on the cover. Maybe it's just a secular fiction book that has a full-blown sexual scene described in it. Inviting demons in your home. Mm -hmm. Guys. You don't get to mess around with this. Oh, I'm an adult. It doesn't affect me. I think I'm she's sorry. talking about the Game of Thrones. No, not just the Game of Thrones, Leah. Yeah. I've Tom Clancy books. Like, these are straight up New York bestsellers. Everyone's read them, doesn't have a problem with them, but there are scenes in there that are sexual in nature. I actually have never read 
a regular fiction book like that, like a Tom Clancy or whatever, that doesn't have one of those scenes in it. So I stopped reading them. I couldn't read them. I can't read those kinds of books anymore. Whoever the author of Jurassic Park is, there's always a sexual scene in there. In Jurassic Park? Not just Jurassic Park. Well, actually, the original Jurassic Park does have a, it's not a sex scene, but it is a kissy scene that's oh. written in the book, but it's graphic. Is it? Yeah. So I'm just telling you, guys, these are all inviting demons. Most people don't read Jurassic Park novels. Okay, well, actually, they do. They're bestsellers. My point is, you need to know that what goes in your eye gate and what goes in your ear gate allows in demons. And if you are allowing them in, they're not just entering into you. They're entering into your home, and they will latch on to your children, and they will latch on to your spouses. My husband has a pornography addiction, but I just read romance novels, and he tells me that he's clean and not looking at pornography. Well, as soon as you pick up one of those romance novels, you've invited the devil in, and now his porn addiction comes back. Y'all understand how this works? It's all related. Let's go back to Jonathan Kahn. Guys, we don't mess around with this stuff. This is, this is very, very, very dangerous. That causes a nation or causes parents to offer up their own children as sacrifices. When Israel turned away from God, this God comes in. We have different names, Moloch and others, the destroyer. When we turned away from God, it's like clockwork. You have one, two, three. The third part comes when we start offering up our children. 1970, abortion on demand comes to America. 1973, Roe versus Wade. So this God comes to America and we, you know, they offered up thousands. We have offered up 63 million. This is part of the paganization of our nation. Well, and what you just said and, and how you referenced it earlier, you talked about recent Supreme Court decisions. Are there other examples? Oh, there, there, there is so much. Let, let me let me give you an example. There's one in one part of the Return of the Gods. I speak about the Transformer. This is a goddess, um, and and in the when I looked, Andrew, when I looked at the ancient inscriptions, it says it says she says she turns a man into a woman and a woman into a man. She's the goddess who blurs gender, blurs sexuality, blurs um, blurs man and woman, and changes one to the other. And it's amazing because it's exactly what as, as this progression goes it's continuing it has affected our entire our entire nation the one of the things that says that her, her ancient priests what her ancient priests did they actually dressed as women in her temple and she actually here's another thing i mean not, not only she feminized men she masculinized women we're watching that but she actually actually surgically altered or transport transitioned her priest into the opposite sex. I mean, it's mind-boggling, but that's exactly what's happening. And now this principality is after our children. So here's the very headlines we're dealing with. It all goes back to this. All right, just a minute left here. Last question. You say these gods have been expelled from culture before. So how can we stand against them now? Yeah, the ultimate part of the, the return of the gods, I mean, and, and yes, you mentioned the Supreme Court, that, which is something that just happened. Actually, it has affected Supreme Court decisions and has ordained the days they come. But we've seen, a, you know, the day I finished, Andrew, the, this book, um, it was the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned. This is about turning it back. Listen, uh, all the people, the people in the Bible, uh, Moses, Elijah, they all dealt with this. We are to be strong, but we have to know what we're fighting against. It says we war not against against flesh and blood, but principalities. It is time to be strong. 
strong. We can overcome this through the power of God is greater than all these things. But we have to stand. We have to be bold, not intimidated. You know, one of the things of the gods, they seek to have every knee bow to them. They want to cancel us. They want to, they want to silence us. We have to be strong. This is our moment. And that's why I wrote the book. So we know it not only for each of us, but there are people in our lives as well. We're all dealing with it. It is. It could be the greatest moment, but it's the power of God. Think Elijah. And that's the key. Thank Elijah, that's the key. Jonathan, your wisdom always. So good. Now, here's the thing. A couple of things stood out to me. First of all, when it comes to how do we fight this, right? That's what the Kingdom Roundtable is about. That's what Revelation Red Pill is about. It's about walking in our authority. Literally, get thee behind me, Satan. When you get in your prayer closet with God and you are speaking in tongues and you're praying in the spirit, you are warring against these rulers and principalities and you're tearing down the high places and you go into your cities and you tear down these high places and you can we, we can go against this stuff. We absolutely can by the spirit, but you can't do it if you don't know what you're fighting, which is what today's episode is about. Let's know what we're fighting. We're fighting the demonic. We were fighting these age old gods and goddesses. And yeah. now we can take them out and we can take them down. We know how to cast out devils. Also, one thing that the Lord spoke to me today, right now on this program, while he was talking about children being offered up, mm -hmm. he was to referring to abortion, which is huge in primary. But God spoke to me. He said, Michelle, you just talked about how people individually are offering up their children to idols. And that is when you allow your children to be exposed to sexual perversion or to people that are bringing in sexual perversion. You are offering them up to these gods. Wow. You send your child to public school where they learn about things that I can't even mention, even though I learned them in fifth grade. They're that bad. And your kids learn about this now, even earlier in second and third and fourth grade from their peers, you have just offered your child up to, up to a God. That's, that's really good. That's, that's sending your child to public school is offering your child up to, up to these, these demonic forces. They all have this, uh, many things in common. Um, I was just looking up, uh, who was the God known during the, you know, the Babylon captivity of Daniel um, Ishtar obviously there Marduk there um, and what is that what what am I kind of getting to Daniel sees something and he sees basically a god in four parts mm. okay and you can bring up a visual Bless and you. the god that Nebuchadnezzar dreams Mm -hmm. And he dreams that he has um, a head of gold and a chest of silver and legs of, um, um, is it bronze and then leg or, or belly and thighs of bronze and legs of iron and feet of clay. Okay. And these represent four kingdoms. So these four kingdoms are the Babylonian kingdom, the Medes and Persians, um, and the Alexander the Great with Greece, and then Rome. And the feet of clay is this the ten um, kind of Roman Caesars because it's clay and they were kind of falling apart. There was a stone that Daniel saw taken out of a mountain without hands and threw itself at this god. And it, then um, Daniel says that he saw that there was be a kingdom without end. So Daniel oversaw, and Daniel was seeing was that Jesus would come 
and overthrow the gods. Mm -hmm. the, the demon worship, yeah. the sacrifices, the idols, the gods, the kings, the principalities of all cultures from Daniel till Jesus. And from then on, Jesus reigns. Christianity reigns. And when we back off of what God has called us to do, then the demonic powers can come 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 to light again okay so ephesians 6 says finally be strong in the lord and the powers might put on the full arm of god so that you can stand against the devils these demonic schemes for our struggle is not with flesh and blood our struggle is with these goddesses of artemis and mm, baal yeah. and you when you see yourself as you are now, this the, the visual that Paul is giving you is you in the heavens battling Thor, battling Zeus, battling these 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 the Greek pantheon of gods. Patriot now Gallery you are equal to them. Says the stone is Jesus, the Christ, the exactly. Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. And here's the thing: your power and your authority trumps. All of theirs put together times a million, zillion, gazillion, jillion. Behold, okay. I have given you power over all the power of the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. There is a satanic power. People can be put under spells. We know that demons can cause the demoniac, was uh, the demon caused them to be tossed into the fire. Okay, there's demonic oppression, there's demonic depression, there's demonic possession. So let's break up. Just, We're going to finish the scripture. Okay, go ahead and finish it. Um, in heavenly realms, and we're dealing, and if you can see, if you're going to a pride parade, I want you to see the demons. And then you are a spiritual sniper. If you just see people, you're just going to argue people. But if you just see and you say, and, you, and it's like the Jedi thing, okay, maybe that's demonic, I don't know. Um, so you just see like this, God, give me spiritual eyes. Yes. And you close your eyes and you don't even see the people anymore. You're like, God, where are the demons and how do we take, how do we, what do we, what do you want me to do here? Think about like heat seeking vision, like goggles or whatever, where all you see are the heat. You don't see the shell. You don't see the building. You just see the like yeah. heat seeking missiles or whatever. Therefore put on the whole arm of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground and having done all things to stand, stand, stand firm there. Then with the belt of truth buckled to your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flames of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be in this mind, be alert, and always keep praying for the Lord's people. Amen. Do you remember what you were going to say? Yes, I do, actually. Okay, so, you know, if you've been tuning into our Revelation Red Pill series, and I'm so glad that you have, and if you haven't, then you need to. Every Wednesday, you can tune in and then watch it afterwards if you can't tune in live on Rumble and, and Facebook. We have been talking about AD 70, Matthew 24 being fulfilled in AD 70, and what an amazing, incredible, altering time that was. But let me make something very clear. What happened there was judgment on the on, on Israel, the house of God. 
right at the time that was judgment on the house of god the sacrifices ceased everything changed for them in that moment they were given an opportunity to to turn they were given a 40-year period from the time of jesus's death it happened within a generation jesus prophesied it would happen within a generation but prior to that when jesus died on the cross is the moment and the instant that we were given power over all the power of the enemy we didn't wait until 80 70 none of that happened so so these evil dark forces that existed then we were given power over them the moment that jesus died and rose again and when we accept him as our savior and we join into that body what happened in AD 70, we didn't wait for that. We didn't wait for the power over the enemy until the Israelites were judged. Okay. The Israelites were judged and that was a really big earth shattering moment in time. Yes. And we should highlight that because of how crazy it was and how very um, monumental of a moment it, it was. That being said though, it wasn't that the people that were alive for those 40 years didn't have power over all the power of the enemy. Or that in AD 70, all dark forces ended and ceased. That's not it at all. Mm -hmm. We are still fighting these dark forces. But we were given that power the very moment that Jesus died and rose again. Absolutely. So if you guys didn't see our Revelation Red Pill on Daniel's Four Kingdoms, please go back and watch There's that. There's two episodes on that, actually. I'm going to give you a little you know, summary of it. So Daniel sees the, the beast, and um, then he says that... Um, One part of the vision was he saw there were thrones set in place and the ancient of days took his seat and his clothing was as white as snow and his hair of his head were as white like wool and his throne was a flashing, was a flaming fire and his wheels were all ablaze and a river of fire was flowing coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him, ten thousands and uh, ten thousands stood before him. A court was sealed and the books were opened. Mm. And I continued to watch because of the boastful words that the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the base blazing fire. Now, this beast, these kingdoms were thrown into the, this, the lake of fire. That corresponds to Revelation. This is the beast. The beast is the kingdoms. And we see it kind of represented as kind of the final beast, which is Nero. The number of the, the, the is a number of a man. Come on um, Wednesday, we'll talk about who is the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. But there's also this this when you read Daniel, you can now that you understand that this is the beast and it's saying this slain this giant these gods. The gods are slain and thrown into the lake of fire, and the other beasts have been stripped of authority, but were allowed to live for a little period. Meaning, um, the the main the main beast, Nero and Rome and all of that, were allowed to go on. But, the, the, but these gods were stripped of their power. And it says, in my, night, in my vision at night, I looked, and before me there was like one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Here is your key scripture. Daniel 7, 14. And he was given authority and glory and sovereign power. And all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion 
is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So while the, the, the Mesopotamian empire and the Babylonian empire, and it's all built on these worship of these gods and the Canaanite and the Sumerian gods and all these things. I saw one like the son of man. Daniel saw Jesus mm, so good. 500 years beforehand. And the question is, is his dominion now? Does he reign now? So Daniel got an interpretation. And he got an interpretation. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. Four. But the holy people, the most high, will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever and ever. And a lot of people want to put this into the future. And this is why we're doing the Revelation Red Pill. Daniel 7 and the beast is, is over. Because yeah. the holy people... We're a holy. Look at the look at the scriptures. You're a holy people. The holy people. You're a chosen generation. You're a people for God's own possession. The holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. Yes and amen. This scripture is fulfilled. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, and he goes into and and is talking about. Um, it says, and I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head, and about the other horn that came up. Uh, before which the three of them fell, the horn, and we'll, I think we'll talk about this on Wednesday, the horn that looked more imposing than the others, and that had eyes and a mouth, and that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. Until, until, until the ancient days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people and the Most High, and the time which came when they possessed the kingdom. So there was a switch that happened. In AD 70, when it went from all these ancient gods mm -hmm. and goddesses and and ancient Israel and the temple. And then the time came for the people of God to possess the kingdom. And now, for now is your kingdom and their now power the and glory. glory. Yep. For now is the kingdom. Repeat this with me. For, for now, now is, is the, the kingdom, kingdom and the power and the glory now and, and forever. forever. Amen. Now. Now. And forever. Now and forever. And he gave Now and forever. Yeah. And this is a very interesting part. Um, Daniel chapter 7, 23. And he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It's a kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trampling it and down and crushing it. He saw Rome. Rome tr crushed everything. And you notice that when we saw the in the first episode, if you're watching on Brideon, thank you. Um, you're here on the second part. Um, you notice in the overlap of the gods and the goddesses, that's kind of the same known world that we're talking about. Exactly. The whole time. This is the this is what when we're talking about. When you translate that word, the world. It means the known when, world. When the at gospel that time. shall go out into all the world, yeah. it's the known world. The gospel shall go out into all the places where all these gods rule. And you know what's really fascinating about that is that Paul even talks to us and tells us that he like I've got this commission, I got to go preach this to the whole world. And yeah. he had different spots that he had to go and cover, and he traveled and traversed to mm -hmm. all of these places. And then he's got to go to Rome. I'm done. I did it. Right. Right. And the ten horns are ten kings that will come from this kingdom. This is Rome. This is the Caesars. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to, try to change times and sets and laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. Please come on Wednesday, because I'm pretty sure that this is what we cover, we're going to cover but on if Wednesday. If you're watching this back on Brighteon on 
the next Sunday because this is a part go back two. Oh, you got to go back days. and watch Revelation Red Pill Wednesday, episode 17. For those of you watching live right now, yeah. it'll be Wednesday the uh, 14th. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever because you don't have any... The, Rome has no more authority. Mm. And the Christians knew that. You remember when the Christians were like, we have no... we the, remember the Jews read, we have no king but Caesar. And the Christians said, we have no king but Jesus. Amen. And they wouldn't even use Caesar's money. Right. Right? So, but the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of all the kingdoms of our heaven. So all the Artemises, all the Baals, all these kingdoms of all this greatness that you've seen, the Babylonian gardens, these great all these great things. Well, what we learned all in part one was that these different gods were regional. Baal was a, a a name like of like kind of the overview of that god. Mm -hmm. But what we learned in, in in part one of this show is They're that they were things. regional. There was Baal Peoroth or whatever. Like the, so there's Astaroth over here. There's but I mean, just that, even here. that specific Baal. Yeah, they, they said that it was it, the second name that's given. Like yeah. Baal Peora was regional. And yeah. it was, and they would emphasize. Okay, we need, we would, we will worship worship Baal Pura, which we could look up and find out what it is. But let's say it's the the god of the land being fertile or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then that would be the the god that they would yeah. worship there. It was regional. Right. Then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of all the kingdoms of over heaven will be handed over to the holy people, the Most High. That's you us. guys. That's you right now. And His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey Him. Now, I know. That this would have been really hard to see in first century AD or second century AD or That's third century That's AD or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh. But then something really amazing happens around 1100 AD. The Polish get the gospel and like become Poland for Jesus. And then Russia gets the gospel and becomes Russia for Jesus. And then Scandinavia gets the gospel. And then, um, and somehow, and just like all Jesus of the West gets prophesied the gospel. that the kingdom of God would be like a little seed that grows into a great tree or a little leaven that works its way through a lump, mm -hmm. right, in becoming bread. Jesus showed us what the kingdom of God would be like. Mm -hmm. It was going to take some time. It was going to grow and it was going to expand. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So do we have any other videos we can play? Um, I do not. I thought, Wait, we have one. I think we have. I um, was, I've got several sitting up. Jonathan, here. the transitioning of America, return of the gods. Behind the scenes that no, has no, happened. Not that one. About one of the most controversial. Okay, hang on. Let me pull it up here so y'all can see it. There we are. Issues in America and the world is that of the transitioning of gender, male to female, female to male, and the transitioning of children. But could it actually be a sign of something much larger? Something in which we're all part. This is Jonathan Cohn. In The Return of the Gods, the latest book I've written, I reveal the ancient mystery that is behind everything that's happening right now, the transformation of America and the world, what's happening to our culture, our children, what's happening all around and why it's happening. You're, you're gonna see it in a new light. And the ancient principalities, that what their agenda is and where it's heading and what the future holds and how to get ready, how to be prepared, what you need to know to prevail. Well, I speak of the ancient principality in the book known as the Enchantress, known in the Bible as Ashtorah, known in, the, in Babylon as Ishtar. The ancient Mesopotamian inscriptions I've cited, I put in the book, 
where she says, I'm a woman, but I'm a man. In her hymns of praise, she turns a man into a woman. She turns women into men. In other words, she transitioned men into women and women into men. And in some cases, more literally, she had some of her priests surgically altered, surgically transitioned. So the Enchantress is back. She's gaining possession of our culture. And as she does, she becomes more and more the transformer. So now here we hear of men transitioning into women, women transitioning into men, children being transitioned from boys into girls and girls being transitioned into boys. This is the work of the goddess. But it speaks of something even larger because this spirit, to this spirit was the power of transitioning a being, an entity into its opposite. So the transitioning or altering of man into a woman or woman into a man speaks of something that's even larger. There is in our midst a larger transitioning taking place, a transitioning and altering that affects every one of us. The transitioning from one gender to another, the opposite, See, by this spirit right is a sign of a larger meta We're looking at a couple different things. You know how I mentioned earlier in, in part one and in part two, I said they all have this big hair, which when you look at the images of Ashtaroth, she has this big hair. We look at Baal. Baal was the, um, um, was it a, a ram mm -hmm. on a man? No, a bull. A bull. Mm -hmm on a man's body mm -hmm. so we see the bull's horns all of this drag drag queen stuff that goes on the reason why they're trying to, to to do this for children is they are emulating these ancient demonic gods especially like with the breast implants and the breast prosthetics and exactly it is to look like the goddesses yes metamorphosis the transitioning of america the transitioning of this civilization, Western civilization, and America into its opposite. The transitioning of a Judeo-Christian nation into its opposite, a pagan nation. Not opposite gender, but opposite everything. Even into an anti-Christian nation and an anti-Christian civilization. When the Enchantress transitioned a man to a woman, the transitioned person now had transition desires or values. What the person once found attractive, they no longer did. And what they once rejected, they now were drawn to. So the Enchantress, the transitioning principality, is changing America, causing it to accept what it once rejected and reject what it once accepted, to condemn what it had once celebrated, like faith, and to celebrate what it once had condemned, like sin. While we speak of the transitioning of people, of children, as we must, we can be missing the transitioning that's going on all around us and that which that transitioning is part of. In an age of transitioning, we of all people have to hold strong to what never changes, what is unchanging. That is the only rock, the only anchor ever, but especially now to become steadfast, immovable, which you can only do by the power of God. This is just a taste of the mystery revealed in the return of the gods. So I want, the Lord's been speaking to me since we did part one, which is just a little bit ago. Something really important. Leah, when it comes to this resurgence of these gods, they're just demonic powers, mm -hmm. coming back with this exact same agenda, the transitioning, the, the, the perversion, all of that. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question that I'm going to answer. Okay, great. Why is it happening right now? Mm. Why now? When it was laid to rest for a very long time, mm. why is it coming to the surface right now? And I will tell you. Because with the false end times teaching, essentially, guys, hear me on this. This is really important. This is why the modern end times theology is so dangerous. It essentially revokes the power of God's people and reverts it back to pre Jesus is coming because he hasn't fulfilled everything yet. So there so this power and authority that we're supposed to have over these people, the end times theology, the modern end times theology, let this in. Yeah. Let these gods come back. They were obliterated, not obliterated, but they were cast out. They did not have a foothold. The church had gotten rid of this, but the Bible gives us a very, telling clue give no place to the devil so modern end times theology has allowed the resurgence Mm -hmm. of the return of the gods that jonathan khan is writing about that's why it's so so dangerous which is why we must preach the real gospel which is the kingdom of god i'm looking for a clock oh right here yep i'm looking for our countdown clock all right we got we have we have a little more time i think we can go back to jonathan khan here he has what he's done is on jonathan khan official there are several um shorts that he's done on a lot of these and if you see if you click on one let's do the dark mystery of the cancel culture um i think if you click on one you kind of see the smoke in the background it's one of him explaining the book oh nice that's a good tell yeah so this one yeah More and more we hear about cancel culture, defunding, deplatforming, believers, conservatives being canceled out. But could there be a mystery behind it all? An ancient mystery, a dark mystery. Could there even be ancient entities behind the canceling? This is Jonathan Kahn. In The Return of the Gods, I open up the mystery that has touched our world that is transforming our lives right now that is transforming America, transforming nations. And it all goes back to ancient spirits that are returning entities. And it is not only that, but it is revealing in full where it's all going. When we turn from God, we open the door to the return of ancient spirits that have been cast out by the gospel. Did you notice something? A while back, The mantra in America and the West was tolerance. Do your own thing. Be open. If it feels good, do it. To each his own. Be a free thinker. Free your mind. It specifically began in the 1960s and continued on. But if you noticed, it's all changed. We don't have a culture now that says do your own thing so much. But rather, you must conform. This is the new morality. These are the new values. And you must conform to it. You have to act politically correct the way of acting. You have to speak with the approved words and you have to not utter a word that is not approved. You have to think the approved thoughts. You must be enlightened, retrained, re-educated, woke. You have to celebrate what we celebrate and condemn what we condemn. And if you violate it, we will shun you, we'll boycott you, we will deplatform you, we will defund you, condemn you, persecute you, maybe prosecute you, punish you, will cancel you. What happened? How do we get from a culture that celebrated tolerance 
to a culture that demands total conformity and threatens cancellation. To understand it, you have to understand the mystery of the gods. See, the ancient gods or spirits have been shut out of Christian civilization. How would they get back into it? Through a culture of tolerance, openness, open your mind, free yourself of the old ways, be liberated, free thought, free thinker. Tolerance was only a strategy, a way, a temporary means to open the door to a Christian civilization that they might come in. Non-Christian entities, pagan entities, non-Christian values, ideologies. It was to be open. It was to open a civilization away from God, away from Christianity, to other gods, to other spirits. But once the spirits come in, once they gain entrance, then it's a whole new ball game. Then it's close the doors. Then it's dominion, domination. Once they gain power, establishment, then they seek total domination. So the mantra changes from tolerance to political correctness, to assimilation, to wokeism, to a new morality, to conforming. It was never about tolerance. It was about entrance. And then the replacing of biblical and Christian faith and values with pagan ones, with the kingdom of the gods. And that's where we are now. So what do we do? In the return of the gods, I give the strategy. But right off, you have to stand. Because if you don't stand, the darkness wins. And the only way to do it is with God. Because with God, God is the only power that gives you the power to stand against the darkness. Mm, that's really good. So there's a bunch of those you can go watch on Jonathan Kahn's channel. So good. So Leah, what I find so encouraging about this message today that you brought to us is I know how to fight the devil. It's just the devil. I know how to fight it's the, just devil. the devil. Come yeah. on at me. No, don't ever say that to the devil. Don't ever. But seriously though, like people are difficult and and frankly, governments are difficult. But the devil within people, not difficult. The devil within the governments, not difficult. The Bible is so clear about how we fight the devil mm -hmm. that once we are able to identify him, which is why he masquerades. That's We hear in the Bible over and over again how the devil is always masquerading, masquerading, mm -hmm. masquerading because he knows that if we can identify him, we can defeat him. Yeah, and so, you know, there are going to be a lot of instances in your life where you're going to uh, think that you're fighting people. Yes. And it's going to really bug you. until and they're going to bug you. Until you recognize it's a devil. So I'll give you a little inside baseball. There are times Michelle and I get in a little arguments over little stupid things. Never happens. And usually we can work it out. If we start to go round and round in circles, we recognize something. This is the devil. Mm -hmm. And then we have to go on the offense and, and we, we've learned to, to pray together and bind a gag Satan. You're not, and how does the devil get in? By whispering a little lie into your ear. How does the devil get to you? Yeah. Okay. Let's say you're a Christian. Let's say you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's say you 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 don't open the doors to the devil. Let's say you've took, taken everything out of your life, and and Can't you touch don't me, think devil. the devil doesn't touch. Can't do it. I'm good. I'm telling you, he's the devil is a warring lion seeking whom he may devour. How can he get to your life? Just you a little thought, a negative thought. Any if you mm -hmm. if you hear mm -hmm. thoughts saying I'm no good, God's not going to do this. This is going to turn out bad. God, where are you? You start blaming God. Those are whispering. And when you, if you dwell on those, you give a foothold, you give a place to the devil and bad things can happen. But I have such good news for you. 
take it back. The Bible says that all you have to do is something very simple. And the first thing you do, the first thing you do is you submit to God. Because what you have done accidentally, and I have done this, is you've taken yourself out from his dominion mm -hmm. and you have submitted to your flesh or to something else. So what's the rest of that scripture? Submit to God. Resist that thought. The devil. And he will go. He, he not, he will may go and not that he, you may have to be in a place where you are. The, one of the things you might have to do is get to a place where you are fully submitted to God. That's the tough part in a situation. I will tell you what I got. There was, I was headed, we were headed down to the thing in, to the Remdesivir, um, in Texas, in Texas, the Remdesivir, um, press conference in Texas. And I was hit with fear. Like I'd never, or I, maybe I had, but it hadn't. It felt like I hadn't experienced before. I was afraid. I was shaking. I was literally, I could not get over this fear. And we couldn't decide whether we were going to go or not. Until, I don't know, honestly, I don't know how I got to this place. But somehow I asked God, God, what is this? Where is it coming from? And could you just show me what I'm supposed to do? And I, I, the peace came in. He said, Leah, what you are feeling, this terrifying feeling, is what the people who were stuck on ventilators felt. Yeah. They couldn't talk to anyone. They knew they were going to die. They were being literally tortured to death. And I needed you to feel it so that when you would go down there, you would deliver a message powerful enough to stop the principalities and powers that killed these people. Mm. They were tortured to death by these these principalities and powers the principality and i will let's name who this was the principality of pharmacia pharmacia yeah pharmacia and the good news is as a christian you have all power and authority but if you don't know it then and and i oh. what i would have done this is what i would tell people and this is what if you could go back and do it in your brain you're in the hospital. This is, I'm feeling, I, God just literally spoke this to me as soon as you started speaking. I bind you, Satan. I gag you, Satan. I send you back to the pit of hell. You have no power. You have no authority. Go ahead. No, that's it. I, you're saying what a God spoke to me. There, there, it was satanic. And and we think that we're fighting the your government. You feel like you're one. fighting the, the, the hospital. The hospital. You're, you're fighting the administrators. You're fighting the insurance. This applies to everything, guys. If we could go back and this, we're applying it to COVID right now, but you can apply it to a whole host of things. And we actually did do this. When our township came after us via our neighbors, we literally took a stand against the devil. And if, yeah. you, and if I had it to do over again, not that situation, but other situations in my life, I would go back and I, instead of fighting the situation, I would take authority in the name of Jesus. And I will say, I will tell you this. Every time that we've had a battle that we ended up winning, we only did it when we realized that we were fighting the devil and not the thing. So you go into that hospital, your loved one's hooked on a ventilator. How do we go back and fix that? The hospital won't give my, um, my husband ivermectin. You have to take power and authority over that. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me. I have all power and authority. When I walk into this hospital, they must do what I say. These demons must flee. Spiritual warfare is how we will defeat them every single time. So on uh, Casper McLeod's show, I read Jude. And if you watched, um, oh, shit, I don't have time for this. I'll just get to the one scripture. 
I don't have time for the song, do I? Can we end on the song? We can end on the song. We just won't okay. play the whole thing. For likewise, these are dreamers uh, that defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed with the body of Moses, dared not to bring him a reviling accusation. He didn't argue with the devil. He just said, the, the Lord, Lord rebuke, rebuke you. you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. So in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every power, every principality, every spirit. And I want to finish with this song by Zach Williams because last night... I was battling something personally for a friend. And the Lord said, I want you to play this, 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 this song stand. And, and guys, thank you, Brideanne, for having us on the show. Go to, uh, do, we're not even doing any ads. No, go to brideonstore.com. Use promo code chicks and support the Brighteon network. That's hundred percent. All you got to do. And we can talk over the song.
Listen, guys, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. If you're watching this in its entirety, go and share it wherever you can. Everybody needs this message. They need to know exactly what's going on. And if you're watching on the Brighteon.tv network, we are so glad that you're here. Please stay tuned every single week on Sundays. Brighteon.tv, you will hear from Resistance Chicks. And Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you do not want to miss these kinds of shows where we are bringing you what God is doing in the world today day and what he is asking us to do as the body of Christ to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will And stop flee. all the craziness. We can stop, stop this. We can stop it. Don't forget every Wednesday on Rumble, Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, changing lives every single week. We'll see you guys next time. God bless. Every day, so afraid, but you call my name.